This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger. I'm gonna enjoy your show. I'm gonna learn to forgive and really let it go. And most of all, I wanna shine a light on good and look to give back. And that's what I'll do with my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. Welcome to the Third Act Podcast. I am pleased for the opportunity to share the microphone today with two fantastic ladies that are working hard to make Haven of Oakland County a critical but unfortunately necessary resource for survivors of sexual assault and intimate partner violence. You will shortly hear from Movita Burris and Jasmine Valentine, who are active in Haven's donor giving campaigns and are excellent resources for kind folks like our listeners that want to get involved in meaningful organization and the various programs that they have. Mavita is Director of Development at Haven and has a strong pedigree of experience in fund development, grant writing, and donor cultivation. She is an active member of several boards and community organizations using her experience throughout our community. She serves as committee chair of the IDEA, that's I-D-E-A, Greater Detroit Chapter of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. IDEA stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access, and she is also a board member. Jasmine Valentine is in the Marketing and Development Program at Haven, and she is also active in the community and is a valuable resource for anyone like myself that has an interest to get more involved and connected to all the great things happening at Haven. Jasmine was kind enough to give me a tour of the great facility in Pontiac and is the main contact for the upcoming Resilience Scala, which we will tell you a little bit more about in a few minutes. I am pleased that Mavita and Jasmine are joining me today to help spread the word about the good works taking place 24 hours a day, seven days a week that allow Haven to share more about their services and programs. Thank you ladies for taking the time on a Friday afternoon to educate and inform the third act community. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners will find the conversation very informative. So good to see you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you, Roger. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I would first like to say that I'm thankful that I was introduced to Haven by a friend that helps out on the call-in crisis line hotline for women that need immediate help. And also a connection that was amplified by a conversation I had a month or so ago with one of your board members at Haven, who is a huge advocate for the great services that Haven provides. So today I feel like I'm doubly motivated to see if I can help the organization and increase the awareness as well as increase the participation of both the volunteer and the donor programs. So let's get started. Mavita, one of our, I, I would say our listeners generally are spread all around the country. Some of our listeners will know a little bit about Haven, but many of our listeners will not. So could you please give our listeners a brief overview of Haven 
and its multitude of services. A little bit of the history, a little bit of what Haven is all about, please. Yes, thank you, Roger. So Haven has a 47-year history of serving survivors in the community. We talk about the community and we mean Metro Detroit. So Haven was established in 1975 by our founder who really wanted to make sure that people who were going through domestic violence and sexual assault, so societal issues had a place to, to go. Initially, it started as we're going to house people in private locations, and then it grew into we would be in the Y, and then we ended up in the hall where we had a really big, strong uh, residential shelter. With that, we were spread out across the Oakland County. So we had the shelter here, we had crisis line here, we had counseling here. And pre-2016, the board said, we're going to do something to bring all of these services under one roof. So today, our facility at 801 Vanguard Drive in Pontiac is a full-service, one-stop shop. So that means that if you call, the crisis line is there, our residential shelter is there, our counseling department is there, community resources is there, prevention education is there, and of course, admin sit under one roof. But the goal of all of this is to make it a comprehensive location so that survivors don't have to go all over town to be serviced. And that's one of the major barriers is that transportation, getting around, especially when you've been in a situation of power and control where you don't have your own vehicle or you have multiple children that you have to get to and fro, it's hard to get everything you need. So that is why we were here and there. It, over the course of the 75 years, things have changed, of course. So you know that domestic violence and sexual assault, of course, has increased or we're getting more knowledge about how to help people in those spaces what to do, the best practices. We operate on an empowerment model. We do not tell survivors what to do. We empower them to make choices and decisions that are going to be positive for their own life. We help them create a path. So that is either creating a safety plan, creating an exit strategy, creating a plan if you have to stay. What is it that you need to do to make yourself safe? So we've learned these things over 47 years. We work with the state and the government to make sure that we're doing what is best. And we go out and we seek ways to help other survivors. So that's who we are and that's what we do. We do forensic exams on site. So if people are in need of an exam, we can do those in-house. We also have a clinic in Beaumont Royal Oak. But if you're ever in a situation just let the um, officers know or uh, whoever, whomever you're with know that you'd like to come to Haven and we can do your exam on site. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, fantastic. I would just give my two cents. When I was, I have been doing research, a little bit of knowledge about Haven and the uh, multitude of programs that you have, I, I came away with a feeling of one quality came through in all the programs, as well as obviously, as you just explained, a comprehensive process of different sort of services that you provide these survivors, victims that become survivors. And that is just totally awesome because I'm sure that it is extremely, if you're in one of those vulnerable situations and you phone in, you don't know exactly what you need, but you need, you need help. And once that, that uh, survivor, the victim does call in, 
your team is ready to uh, point them in the right direction and get them the treatment or the help they need to uh, find their own path. I think that's fantastic. I wanted to make one point about this quality thing. I saw in the notes that Jasmine provided me that Haven received a perfect score, perfect assessment score from the Michigan uh, Domestic and Sexual Violence Prevention and Treatment Board. It was the first perfect score in their 14-year history. I think that speaks volumes of the quality of the type of services and treatments that you provide these uh, survivors. I applaud you for that, and obviously you're doing great work. I thought I would switch the, the mic a little bit to Jasmine because she was kind enough to show me around the facility. But for our viewers, can you give an idea of the different programs that are all housed under this fantastic facility in Pontiac and what they could, what both a, a visitor, a client might find as well as someone that is a donor or a volunteer, please. Yeah, thank you. And again, thank you, Roger, for having us. For me to mention earlier, she mentioned our address, right? A lot of times domestic violence agencies or sister agencies, they may not have a public addresses. And that's where our empowerment model really shines that if you were to Google us, it pops up right there because we don't want to shame our clients or survivors because the blame shouldn't be placed on them. It is a very open space in the heart of Pontiac. From the time that you pull into our parking lot to walk into the doors, it is safe. From cameras being in the parking lot to having to go through two set of doors, letting our receptionist know, hey, I'm here um, to see my therapist. Our residential clients do even have their own parking lot. So again, that extra layer of security because we want them to feel safe in what is now their temporary home. Most times people come to Haven already having an appointment, but we do accept walk-ins. Our clients face about 22, 23 barriers. That can be transportation, education, childcare, housing. We try to eliminate as many as those as possible. And one being transportation is huge. We provide group therapy or support groups or rooms that can hold 15, 20 people. And because of COVID, we've had to change things around and switch to more telehealth and use some of our bigger conference rooms. We have even an art therapy room. We might mention, talk about a barrier. Folks may not want to traditionally talk to their therapist about something so traumatic, especially for our younger clients. I always tell the story, most times a child is being told, hey, don't say what's going on in this home. Even though we know that the therapist is a safe person, that child doesn't know that yet. So our art therapy room is used quite often in our play therapy room. For our younger clients to be able to create that narrative, that story themselves, rather than feeling like somebody is crying, things of that sort. If you were to walk around our facility, and we invite um, people to contact us to take a tour. As I um, told Roger and any of our other supporters, we can craft this beautiful story of Haven, of like how we interact with 30,000 people a year and we do all these wonderful things. But once you come into our doors to see, take a walk in the hallways, like Roger's mentioned, as if you were a client and being able to go to each room and be able to see that service provider. As you walk around, and Roger saw this, you will see donations everywhere. That might be books, that might be hygiene products, that might be soap, notebooks. Our services are free. Although they are experiencing trauma or they are currently in crisis mode, we want to be able to help them out in any way possible. One point that you just made this, I want to clarify or verify, is that all the services are free to clients, correct? Correct. Clients. Mm -hmm. so that is awesome. That is the way it should be. 
And two, some mom at two in the morning calls into the hotline and needs immediate help. Just give a visual of what the op- operate the trained operators do and how they get them the help from the first steps yeah. that they might need. We are always open. So if it's three o'clock in the morning, there will always be somebody there available. And that first phone call might just be our specialist reflective listening, telling them this is not your fault. I do believe what you're actually saying because a lot of times survivors don't even hear that. That one phrase, I believe you, can set a survivor up to start that healing journey that is truly difficult to start if you don't have your own support. So in that moment, on that call, if we keep mentioning this empowerment model. What exactly is that client looking for? Do they need temporary housing? Do we have room? If we do have room, we'll start that intake. So ask those questions of, okay, what little bit more specifics of their story? What is going on? Do you have children? Are you in the home? I know, Roger, we talked about this during your visit. Realistically, not every survivor that contacts us will be ready to flee. That may not be the safest option. So if if Ann calls me, calls our hotline today and says, hey, I'm not ready to leave. The safest for me to leave might be in two weeks when my husband is no longer here. We'll start that safety plan from now until those two weeks. And can you tell your sister? Can you tell your mom just so they know? Here are some other resources. Maybe you may not be able to flee just yet, but we do have a counseling program. Would you like to start to see a therapist? Even if someone was a call and they recently had an assault, I want that forensic exam done. People often hear them called on um, rape kids. We are available then. So, you know, will you be able to come to our Pontiac location or will meeting us at Beaumont Royal Oak be right. closest, more convenient? So, again, we like to say that we can meet a survivor from crisis to counseling because you just never know what they might need because every story is so incredibly different. Absolutely. Vida, I'll bring you back in. I know that you told me during my, the visit that you're totally booked out now and the demand is huge, but that kind of leads to two questions. One, can you explain how you guys made it happen during the two years of the pandemic? And hopefully we're coming out of that. Talk about that a little bit. And also what you do with this unbelievable demand of, of need that these victims have, these survivors have, how many clients can stay at the residency and for how long? Give us a picture of that, please, Mavita. Pre-pandemic, we were able to house about 60 residents. So that's women and children or families. And we also house men. In the pandemic, we contracted a bit. So we're at about 45 right now. We hold about 45. But we also have an opportunity for hoteling. So we do have funds set aside in case it's an emergent situation. We were thankful during the pandemic that we did not have any outbreaks of COVID-19 or anything of that nature. But if we did, we left space for ourselves to isolate folks during that period. We are helping them transition over into their own spaces a little bit more quickly. The pandemic showed us pivot that we were able to do things effectively, safely, and more efficiently. So we did more cleaning. We did all of the PPE, thanks to the community. We still um, get a lot of uh, community support. So we have masks. Everyone stays masked. We continue that process for clients, residents, as well as staff. We also make sure that we give them opportunity to look for spaces 
And we're keeping space open for people who really need us in emergent situations. It has been, the pandemic has taught us all a lot. So we switched over to telehealth. So a lot of our counseling um, can be done virtually, just as we're doing right now. But we did find that people wanted to come back. So when the restrictions were lifted, that was their healing connection. That was their ability. So we, again, went back to in-person. So we do allow people to come in for in-person counseling, in-person community resources, because what happened during isolation is you don't get that support. You don't get that faith face. You don't get the affirmation or the confirmation that you're on the track. You can hear it in people talk, but to see it on someone's face is very different. We decided that's an opportunity for us to do both and pivot in both. So it is up to the client which one feels comfortable for them. We also understood and found that having telehealth, we now have a wait list in our counseling area because everybody is, oh, I don't have to leave my home to get counseling. So we had an explosion. So right now we do have a wait list and we're hoping to get that down, but we're glad that people are talking. We want to take away the stigma of this societal issue. We don't want people to be in this and and have no outlet. That is why we exist. We want people to be able to talk about what is happening. And we have the prevention education program to start helping people pre we're preventing this from happening. So we're having conversations. Ahead with young people. We're in schools from K to 12. Um, we're in all rural public schools. We're working um, towards Southfield, trying to get expansion of these services. We have two wonderful services our SPARK program for young girls and Redefine for our young men to talk about healthy relationships and how to advocate for others in those spaces where you're seeing a little harassment and bullying. We talk about that use words to express our support and love for other people. So we're proud of the things that we're doing and how we're trying to get this uh, word out about what it really means to support one another and advocate for one another. Great, great. I'm guessing that the demand through the pandemic increased. Is that fair? And if it did, has that continued as we're starting to slowly creep out of the pandemic? How- how are, how is the demand now, I hate to use that term, but that's what it is. And how is your staff coping with that over the last, let's just say from the start of 2020? I'll say in the pandemic, there was a, a slowdown of oh. client intake and okay. residential intake because we were in isolation, number one. So that means that the abuser is at home. Is the survivor. The if we want to use the word demand, the demand came from friends, family, mm-hmm. and noticing and seeing that these things were happening or knowing pre-pandemic they were happening, but now how do I help? Because I'll just use myself, Mavita's isolated at home with her future. So we that's where we saw the explosion of conversation and questions mm-hmm. and resource use and all of that. We would see someone call us and say, hey, I got to get out of here. I need support, some help. Where do I go? What do I do? So we saw that. The staff, we went down to a couple days a week. Initially, everyone was at home. But then we started coming back in because we understand that face-to-face is important. So we all have scheduled and stacked our schedules so that we're not all in at the same time. So we protect one another. But again, being a 24-7 operation, 
someone has to open the doors and book up our clients and our restaurants. So mm-hmm. we've seen an upswell of the need of us being, again, back in person, back with people, giving Roger tours, talking with people and sharing the message of, hey, in an in-person matter. And I think we have learned a lot over the course of the two years of how to deliver, how to express, mm-hmm. how to be more um, supportive of people when we can't really be in the same room with them. So our, even our crisis line, they had to learn what can we do and where can we send them and what are some things that we can do. And they update their book constantly because resources change often. Everybody was on a shutdown. So nobody mm-hmm. really could go anywhere. Everybody was isolated. Everybody was at home. What we offer? What else could we do? So we had a partnership, which we've had for quite a while with Lyft in those spaces when there was an emergency or they needed to get to a forensic exam. We had Lyft supporting us and helping pick people up. They were still operating. So we've learned to use those partnerships strategically and use them to the best advantage of our clients and our residents. And gotcha. that's, you know, how we've had to be able to manage. And we've done a great job. I'll give us kudos for the work <laughs> we continue to do to support people every single day. No, absolutely. And I know that you've indicated to me earlier this week, and I know it's on the website, but you do have needs, hiring needs or opportunities for jobs. We'll make that point and show the uh, actual page on the website in the show notes next week. But uh, can you give a flavor of the type of jobs or the type of individuals you're looking to hire and the scope of the um, requirements that are needed for that, please? Right now, we do need a lot of support in our residential area. And again, that's a 24-7 operation. So those doors are always open as well as our crisis. It's an entry-level position. They will be trained on everything Mm -hmm. that they need to do how to operate, what things they need to say, how they can support people when they call in, what that means. Most positions, we have about four of those right now where we need some help. And this is a perfect position for someone who may be in college and get a job or something that starts in the afternoon so they can still go to school in the morning. So that is an opportunity for those uh, people. We have an opportunity for a driver. We have vans. And we need people to help us drive. So those are part-time positions. And those are good for our school who's just looking to support and help. We'd love to have them in. And then crisis line, we're looking for compassionate people who can, who can talk with people and not express an opinion, but empower. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for those um, people in those areas. We also would love to have a few organizations. Of around the building, our uh, social action team is looking for a couple of people to help go and advocate in the courts. Again, all, every single position with Haven, you will get the proper training and you will be able to to help make sure that they're able to do the work that they need to do. Great. And that leads me to a discussion that I wanted to start about the budgetary situation at Haven as well as it ties into the fundraisers, of course, but all these services that clients receive free of charge, they cost money to have the professionals on staff, as well as provide the services that you offer. Uh, can you give a flavor of just the general, how you came through the pandemic as far as the budget? And as you're looking at 2022 today, how is that looking? And then we can swing into uh, the fundraiser activities. Maybe Jasmine, you want to talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, it's wild to think that was three years ago. And every time I'm asked that question, Navita, I chuckle because I remember in 2020, take you back, that was Haven's 45th anniversary year. And Gala was coming up like a month or so away. And then the world stopped and we were like, how do we fundraise when we can't connect? And Roger, your listeners probably know this now. But Vita and I are out in the community connecting supporters, potential supporters, current supporters to Haven. And we were like, how how do we engage with people when we're all scared? We have no idea what's going on. We had to be creative. We had to be creative on a digital space, having different excuse me, community conversations to say, hey, yes, we are all worried about this pandemic, but there are folks that are still struggling. So this is these are the warning signs. This is how you can help. So connecting with our um, donors on different virtual opportunities. We had some cool happy hours. Even though our gala, we couldn't have it in person. We did a dance party. It's been awesome. And supporters, whether they've been with Haven 25 years, five days, anywhere in between there, have continued to show up and show out for our community. Like Navita mentioned, our clients still needed things. They still needed household items. They still needed help with just all the different things of their lives. And we were still able to provide because our different corporate sponsors were still able to donate to us, which is awesome. And be able to say, hey, we have this emergency money and be able to say, hey, do you have a new program? Would you like to extend it? And I know we'll talk about Gala a little later. At Gala, we'll be honoring two of our community partners. Women of AT&T have continued to, again, show out and show up for us when we said we needed tablets. So our residential clients could still teach their kids for school because we only have about four um, desktops there. They donated at least 10 tablets. They gave self-care boxes. And we're also honoring the women organization, the Junior League of Birmingham. Pre-COVID, they used to do, they still do so many things. And in COVID, they said, hey, we know, we understand that we cannot come and cook dinner for your clients, but can we drop off food? So literally since 2020, it's about at least once a month, they deliver breakfast for our uh, residential clients. So it's so nice to see that even though we all had to navigate what does our life look like in COVID, they still supported us. So, you know, and Mavita probably talked about this, applying to grants that allowed us to switch to telehealth. Because again, you go think back March 2020, not all of us had work laptops. So what does that look like now that I'm home? And with the confidential nature of our work, you just can't use your personal computer. Really? So what does that look like? So leaning into those partners that understood, hey, we did give you this money for X project. Now, because of COVID, you probably can't do that. Probably not the safest, but feel free to use that money and how you see fit. And I know Mavita mentioned this. The fact that we had so much hoteling money was so nice when this past winter, a few of our families did have COVID. Instead of saying, hey, you cannot stay here because of safety concerns and health concerns, we were able to relocate them to the hotel. Not only did they still are that, that safe area, we were able to provide them with food. We've had United Wholesale Mortgage. They gave us um, some different food packages and we're literally delivering meals to us every day. So again, leaning into those partners that still saw our need when the whole world stopped. Absolutely. Let's talk about the, the big gala on May 12th. Either one of you, whoever wants to uh, speak about this, 
give the listeners an idea of what they would uh, find if they came to the gala and also how they can contribute and how they can be a part of it, please? The gala is our largest event every year. So that is our opportunity to have our survivor talk about their experience and share what we've done over the course of the year. Jasmine really is the hostess with the most. <laughs> and she can talk more in depth about what we actually do for the event. But I'm just super excited. This is our second year at Shepherd's Hollow in Clarkston. And I'm just super excited that we have so many people who want to be a part of this celebration with us. And Jasmine, walk them through what that looks like on day of. Yes. Uh, as you can see, Roger, we are excited about Gala. <laughs> that is the, it is just amazing to be able to connect and say, hey, this is what's going on in our community. And this is your, this is our call to action. This is how you can engage. From the time that our guests leave their cars and start walking to the venue, we want to put them in a space of, yes, we are here to celebrate. We are here to network. But tonight is all about celebrating the resilience, tenacity, and strength of survivors. So right. this year and like last year, as you walk into Shepherd's Hollow, we will have signs that will talk about those 22, 23 barriers I mentioned, right? So say, hey, transportation is really hard to find, especially if your abuser was to take your car away from you. Childcare is really expensive. So if you were facing financial abuse, that is almost impossible. So having, before they even walk in the door, they are thinking and seeing ways that Haven can step in and assist folks. So they get, we have a, a VIP reception. So before dinner is served, they'll be able to enjoy the beautiful venue of Shepherd's Hollow. If you have not been to Shepherd's Hollow, it's literally so majestic, like a beautiful, majestic glass house. We have a photo booth. We'll have strolling um, hors d'oeuvres. We'll have auction items and we have some cool vacation raffle um, destinations, which are really cool. We just told them yesterday. Okay. Really excited about that. And then as the program starts, they'll hear from our interim CEO, our board president, and we'll have an MC that carries them throughout the night. Again, creating that storytelling because although I love to see familiar faces at Gala, some of our corporate sponsors or some of our, our you know, wonderful volunteers. I always like to think of some of the folks that are in this room, they heard about Gala because, or Haven because Roger invited them. Right. So they, they might have donated in the right. past, but they truly don't know the impact. So Gala is our time to tell the story. How can our community help us eradicate these injustices? And you actually get to hear from one of our survivor speakers. Every year, the um, speaker changes. It may not be someone that has utilized saving services, but they are a survivor, whether the um, intimate partner violence, also known as domestic violence or sexual assault. And you hear how they had to navigate sometimes through the process, navigate through telling their family that, hey, I've been in a 20-year abusive marriage. Everyone in that room, those 300 people, if they walked in and say, hey, I know that sexual assault is an issue because of the Me Too movement, but I don't know anyone that has ever been assaulted or abused. Everyone that night can identify at least one person that has been impacted. And we tell, again, that story of one in four women will be sexually assaulted. When I think of that statistic, right. it's sobering. Right. It is. Yeah. And it's just, 
I can easily think of four women in my life, including myself. And to think that realistically, one of the four of them will be sexually assaulted. What can, you know, it makes me think back to when I started advocating for survivors. What can I do? We don't want to just throw statistics and throw these awful things, but let them, as we empower our clients to progress on their healing journey, we want to empower our supporters to engage with us as well. So we have a live auction that is really cool. We have a paddle raise and again, the vacation raffle is really cool. We have some really cool options this year. We get to enjoy wonderful food. So if you are, sometimes gala foods are not the greatest. I will say Shepherd's Hollow has some really good food. Like literally, people are still raving about it. Yes, they're still raving about it. No, I heard that last year was, you guys did a good show. So very good, very Thank good, good part. But given our viewers, I assume you want both representatives of corporate sponsors as well as individuals to yes, contribute right. and donate, right? How should they first contact you to donate or if they want to get a table or want to have a, a presence at the gala, how do they go about that? Yes. So they can go right on the Haven website. There'll be a tab that says event. You type in, it'll say annual gala right there. It will have all the information and it will lead you to the event site where you can either purchase an individual ticket. We have table prices. And also, like Roger said, Yes, we look for corporate sponsors, but we do look for community sponsors. I know some of our previous supporters, what they'll do is buy a table and invite six of their friends and they all bid on items. Just learn more about Haven because again, the sole purpose, there are two purposes of Gala, right? Yes, to fundraise so we can continue providing these services, but also so the community knows that Haven is a resource. Because again, when we look at the statistics of one in four Michigan families will be impacted by domestic violence, we just want to make sure that people are equipped with the skills and the tools and the resources. So they can go to our website and they'll see all the event information. They'll also see our contact information. If they have questions, they can feel free to email or call us. Great, great, great. And we'll make sure we provide that next week. They They can call us at 248. 334-1284, ask for Mavita or Jazz. Okay, excellent, excellent. I know we have more to talk about, but we're running out of time, so we're probably going to have to do another uh, podcast in a few months, but I know you have other fundraising campaigns coming up. You have a Tiger game. I'll get to that later and uh, maybe another blog sometime, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for explaining the services and the great scope of treatments that you provide these these survivors and victims. I think it's awesome what you're doing, even though it's unfortunately a problem we have to deal with. But thank you for coming on. Thank you for what you do. I really uh, think you're doing fantastic work and you should be applauded for your efforts. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Roger. appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com. With my third, third